On this week's show, we wanted to talk about PSG's most recent league-owned games against Toulouse and Bordeaux, but there wasn't time. And we wanted to take some questions from our PSG, but there wasn't time for that either, so sorry about that, folks. We really wanted to discuss Jeremy Menez's situation in Mexico, but there wasn't time. Uh, well, I think that was just me, actually. But this show is all about the big game. PSG 2, Liverpool 1. What does the result mean? Can we progress from Group C? And is it our time to shine in the Champions League? I'm Matt, and this is PSG Talking. everybody and uh, welcome to the latest episode of uh, PSG Talking. Um, I'm your host for this evening, Matt, and uh, they've uh, they've let me into the host chair for uh, for the first time, which is quite a quite a daunting experience. I've just said to the guys, uh, so um, I was planning to do a sort of Jeremy Menez sort of memorial episode, but uh, this has sadly been scuppered by the powers that be. So we're going to talk about the Liverpool game instead. Um, so, oh yeah, afraid so. Um, I've got quite a lot of people with me on the panel today. We're all quite excited to talk about this game, I think. So we've got uh, Guillaume, who you just heard there. And um, alongside him, we've got Mel and James and Terry, who you guys have all, uh, all heard before on previous episodes. So quite a, quite a big panel and a lot, of, uh, a lot of good opinions to put forward about the match, I'm sure. Uh, so we're going back to last week. We're going back to the Parc de France, under the lights, a full house atmosphere which sounded absolutely amazing and to top it all off PSG got the win which uh, keeps our Champions League hopes alive 2-1 over Liverpool um, and you know I think it's not uh, an exaggeration to say one of our best performances of the season uh, possibly for the last couple of seasons so we're going to look into that in a bit more detail um, so I'm just going to start by going around the guys and asking them for their sort of general um, thoughts on the match and how it went. So if we can start with James. Well, I mean, the match went great. It came away with a W, and the energy that we actually showed was something unlike anything I've ever seen before. I, I Even going back to playing Barcelona, I, I've never seen our back line fired up the way they were um so i I think that it was to my eye the the most entertaining and uh happy that i've been um coming out of coming out of a game like that i I thought it went very well minus a few miscues which i'm sure we'll get into but uh i'm gonna be positive it it was it was great Uh, i've never seen anything like it yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, an overwhelmingly uh, positive response to the game, unsurprisingly, from uh, from our supporters. Is that something you'd um, you'd echo, Mel? Um, how did you how did you find the game? Yeah, I found you know overall, I was very very pleased. Obviously, uh, extremely pleased with the first half, um, and uh, I found that our football IQ and our football intelligence in managing the second half. Um, uh, told me something about the evolution of the Thomas uh, Tuchel regime. Um, you know, we came into this match 20 matches unbeaten at home in the Champions League. In fact, the last time we lost uh, in the Champions League was the CSK in Moscow in December 2004. So I, I knew that it wasn't likely we were going to lose, um, but I knew we needed to win. And what more importantly, the players knew that we needed to win. Um, you know, so it was pleasing. It was pleasing that for the you know two nights in a row, uh, top teams in the Premier League couldn't match the intensity of top teams from you know the Farmers League. I was just about, um, I was just about to say yeah the uh, the Farmers have obviously given us some good training for uh, you know showing these Premier League teams a thing or two. Um, so yeah, really pleasing to see. Obviously, as someone who lives in England and uh, likes watching Liga, um, Guillaume, um, you were over in the uh, in the motherland uh, recently, and I think you uh, you watched this match in Paris. How was your experience? Can you tell us a bit about it? 
Um, I had a great experience because I was eating a steak frite in a uh, in a cafe brasserie in Paris, oh, jam packed mm. with Paris Saint Germain mm-hmm, supporters, and um, I I wasn't surprised by the first half. I was surprised by the second half, um, in a in a good way, and I've been waiting this type of game, like the second half, since. Um, hmm, since QSI took over Paris Saint-Germain, we never had a second half like this ever, meaning we, we are, this is a reference game and we know how to suffer. This is it. We know how to suffer. We know what, what to do. We know what um, the demands of a high-level Champions League game, how to behave mentally, physically, uh, tactically. Um, that's it. We, we, we know what to do. We know how to suffer. Well, I think it wasn't... I mean, I felt like I was suffering with the team at the start of the second half, for sure, when uh, sort of Liverpool were piling on a bit. But actually, we, we kept them at arm's length quite well. I think um, for anyone who doesn't remember how the match went, we, we took the lead through... Uh, through our sort of uh, our secret weapon, uh, Wan Bernat, who sort of popped up in the area and uh, and started a home a goal after some uh, some comedy defending from Van Dijk, and then um, Neymar with an absolutely beautiful goal, really uh, a, a lovely move, uh, doubled the uh, doubled the lead, and um, Liverpool got one back just before half time from sort of penalty from Milner, a sort of uh, a brain fart from Di Maria, I think uh, that sort of uh, crazy tackle on. Um, uh, yeah, and um, obviously then in the second half, as Guillaume just put there, we, we really had to sort of tough it out, and I think we did that really well. Um, Terry, what were your sort of were your overall thoughts on, on the match? Pleased, pleased. Yeah. Um, overall pleased. Um, we saw another uh, Thomas Tuchel innovation, um, and it worked. Uh, I mean, the, our first half hour was near perfect, uh, finding each other and pressing high, getting the ball back. Uh, I thought it was near perfect. Uh, we still had uh, the end of the second half where we uh, stressed out a little bit, but we still managed to um, keep our composure uh, for for the most part of the game. And by that, I mean that we didn't uh, get out of the game and start um, complaining to the ref, etc., uh, we suffered as a team, like you guys said, in the second half. Uh, although I think that we could have done better offensively in the second half, given that Liverpool was not really ever dangerous. Uh, but overall, very satisfied. Um, a founding game for the Tour era, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It really does feel like a sort of a landmark result. I mean given the situation and the sort of gravity of it, if we'd have lost, we'd have, you know, been in quite big trouble. Um, I mean, looking at the sort of how the team played, what, which players um, which players stood out for you guys? And was there anyone who was, uh, who was struggling a little bit? Um, we can start with James again on that one, I think. Um, the player that stood out for me was Marquinhos. Um, being in the midfield and having a defensive performance like he did and again that fire that he had was Unreal. yeah yeah it, it's that's that's what we need all the time um not just from him but from everybody and and it seemed like uh Thiago Silva took this game a little personal as well um uh, not being able to play in the in the first leg of this so you know those two holding down something was was something to see. They had demons um, to chase. Yeah, they did. I, I agree with that. And um, I, I guess the the only thing that I thought was poor, and um, I may may have to go back and review and revise my answer, but um, I, I wasn't <coughs> completely compre- impressed with with Di Maria. Um, Especially that that penalty that he that he gave up, and I know it's controversial to some. I thought it was a penalty. I thought it was a bad challenge. Um, he was out of position. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, 
I know what he was trying to do, but I, I still thought it was ill-advised. Uh, so that that's really the extent of, of uh, where I thought our downfalls were there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that you think it's a penalty. I think it was fairly obviously a penalty, but I also think that Mane dived. Uh, he definitely made the most of it. But then Di Maria went flying in like that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if you do that, you you can't have any complaints, yeah. really, if you give a penalty away, for sure. Um and just on Marquinhos quickly, I mean, how many times do you think you guys have watched him and Thiago Silva do the uh, do the old chest bump in the last week or so? <laughs> oh my I'd gosh. say I probably watch it every hour just to check that it was real and also because it's still making me quite happy just seeing it, how happy they were, their little faces. Like I said, <laughs> they had demons to chase. Yeah, for but sure, it yeah. Makes, it makes me happy too. It makes yeah. me happy. Yeah, I think we can all, the thing we can all get behind, maybe we should sort of, you know, Make sure we uh, continue to keep that at the forefront of our minds when uh, when something inevitably goes bad soon. Um, Mel, um, can you sort of uh, give us your thoughts on on how the how the players performed? You know, I uh, you know two players that stand out to me uh, were Tilo Carrer and, and Marco Verratti. Uh, you know, it was I would not have guessed uh, at the end of this match that Tilo Carrer would have been the more composed. Uh, defender among he and Prisnel Kimpembe <laughs> at the end of the match, but um, there was no doubt that the, the the German footballer came into his own uh, on that stage. To me, uh, in terms of the way that he worked uh, with the rest of the defense and his composure uh, dealing with the Liverpool press, um, I thought he had an outstanding match. Uh, and then I did post on Twitter, and I would say here that. Um, I, you know, have been critical on this podcast of um, the last 15 months of, of Marco Verratti. Uh, and I asked the question to his team about whether he uh, was still Marco Verratti. And um, I can tell you that uh, this Liverpool match um, reminded me that um, he is still um, an outstanding manager of the midfield. He can't overcome by himself our lack of a number six. Uh, but when he is on his game, um, and I'm talking about his um, offensive commitment, his distribution game, I'm not necessarily talking about his defensive diving in, uh, which has always been a problem. But um, I thought that uh, certainly across the first 60 minutes, we saw old Marco Verratti, and those two players stand out for me. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see Verratti back in that in that kind of form for sure. Uh, I, I quite enjoy his little defensive interventions, his sort of dribbles across the six-yard box. And, uh, it, you know, it makes you sort of want to have a heart attack. But at the same time, you know, it's quite entertaining, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, absolutely <laughs> echo those comments. Um, uh, Guillaume, uh, what, what, what did you think of, of the players? Uh, anyone who really caught your eye? Um, some did, but... It's really uh, uh, the best team play we've seen, I think, so far. Uh, yeah, for sure. With Paris Saint-Germain, the, the, the team played that as a team. Everybody played for the partner. Um, Mbappé and Neymar tracked back. Everybody was focused and involved. We, we, we've been mentioning defensive mistakes. There was none. None. Uh, Liverpool had one shot on target during the entire game. That was the penalty kick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable team performance. We've never seen the team play like this. Um, or we forgot. I mean, I remember a, um, a game in Madrid, which we lost one no, uh, four seasons ago, three seasons ago, where the yes. team played something like that for some reason. But... Um, in the past three seasons, we've never seen anything like it. Um, Liverpool fans and English pundits, I've never seen that neither. And they, they realized the difference of Paris Saint-Germain with Marco Verratti and without Marco Verratti. They couldn't believe how different the team was. Well, yeah, he will resist high pressing. And if he's in a good day, it's going to humiliate your pressing. <laughs> um, but more than anything else, the, the guy who stood out way above anyone else is Thomas Tuchel. He chiseled the team 
to destroy Liverpool. I was hoping for a humiliation, and um, I probably for, for you know Liverpool humiliation, but I, I probably slightly underestimated Liverpool, which is a really, really, really good team. But but he chiseled, he customized Paris Saint Germain to beat Liverpool, and he completely outplayed club. Completely outplayed club. We we. We mentioned uh, Marquinhos. Marquinhos played two positions. He played central defender in some phases when it, it was needed to, to yep. cover of, of fullbacks. When the fullbacks were going up, Marquinhos was dropping. So the, the central defense wasn't um, outnumbered by Liverpool three up front in case there's an interception. And then he played as a six or rather as a defensive midfielder with the the biggest drive and activity we've seen him play in a very long time. He he was the key player. The I mean, Verratti too, of course. Uh, but without Marquinhos in that in that mindset, we wouldn't have a, a game like this. And then what what um, Tuchel did to club with Neymar dropping in midfield in between the lines to meet with Verratti. Oh my God, that was checkmate there. They, Liverpool had never a solution against that. Um, our two first goals are gorgeous, especially the second one. Um, playing with two up front, I mean, I could go on for... <laughs> so it, it was a tactical masterpiece. Unbelievable work by, by Thomas Tuchel, tactically, but also as a... As a as a leader, as the boss, and and the players um, applied, they delivered, they did what he asked them to do, and it paid off. And the the chest pump at the end. I mean, the pressure you have uh, playing for Paris Saint Germain is unbelievable. And we we have a long tradition of of drama of. I mean, there's a long list. It's difficult to be a Paris Saint-Germain fan nowadays. And uh, when you deliver like this on a big night, um, without making any mistakes, by playing like a team, I mean, of course, it's, it must be an unbelievable feeling. Again, it's a, it's a landmark. It's a reference game. And at the right time. And, and I mean, the, the, the consequences of this game um, may be absolutely colossal. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I just think it's nice to see defenders celebrating when they do something good. Like it's obviously everyone knows that you celebrate a goal, but like why not? If you make a good tackle, be happy about it. I say um, we've kind of gone on to the sort of tactical side of things. So if we um, if we go on to you next, uh, uh, Terry, what did you think when you saw the sort of lineup and the the tactics in terms of the? Well, I guess like Marquinhos was, he was almost like a sweeper, wasn't he? I don't know if you guys remember the trend yeah. for that in like the yeah, early, yeah, no, in yeah, the, definitely a sweeper, yeah, yeah, like in the early nineties when you had people like Kuman and guys like that and um, Mateus sort of playing bit of defense, bit of midfield, bit of run around wherever you like. Um, yeah, I mean, what did you think of? Uh, you know, were you surprised to see we went to a back four? And um, you know, do you think Marquinhos could be? I don't like to say a long-term solution because we've been through this before of <laughs> the, uh, the solutions to our never-ending number six problem. But do you think that could be a option for us in sort of these bigger games where we're going to have to withstand a bit more heavy pressure than we do in, in some of the lower profile fixtures? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on uh, if we recruit someone uh, at this position this winter or not. But uh, it can definitely be a solution. Uh, Guillaume pretty much summed it up on Marquinhos. Uh, but also, uh, I think uh, uh, the fact that he, he would be uh, lined with the other central defenders uh, was also because he is more comfortable facing the game. Yeah. Um, if, you, I mean, if you, if you uh, look at the action on the penalty... That we conceded, uh, Marquinhos is facing our own goal and loses the ball. Yeah. So he's not very comfortable when he has the game behind himself. But uh, that's why he he was coming back um, and lining up with the central defenders when we got the ball back as well. Uh, it's the first time that we start uh, with four central defenders. 
since when I don't know, but in the tour <laughs> era at least, uh, yeah, I think that's gonna have to be the solution when we play against bigger teams like Liverpool. Uh, just because the fact that uh, we saw and Kimpembe, I know you guys mentioned Kimpembe wasn't maybe as good as Kara, but he had Salah in front of him the whole game that was calling the ball. And so that was his primary task was to focus on Salah. I thought he did that pretty well. I mean, we didn't see Salah the whole game, did we? Um, I can't believe you guys haven't mentioned him, but Neymar. Neymar was finally decisive yeah. in an important PSG game. This well, was I the first we, time. We're used to it. No, I wouldn't say the first time, but... We, uh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he, magnificent game for Neymar. I mean, Good point. creating spaces and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, and he, was, he would even come back next to, to Verratti sometimes to uh, um, uh, create some options for Mbappé to call... Uh, the ball and, and for Cavani to draw some defenders. So, yeah, no, I thought Neymar was magnificent. Um, Verratti, you guys, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, obviously that's that's the piece that we need to have. Uh, he he's the link between our defense and and our forwards. There's no doubt about it. There's a PSG with Verratti and a PSG without Verratti. That's there's no question about it. But uh, you guys can't tell me that there is not one moment in the game that you thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be the game that we lose because Verratti is going to get a red card. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> uh, I mean, I have to say, like, obviously... It was absolutely on the table. Yeah, absolutely on the table. When, like, <laughs> every game, every game is like that. So what oh what's you? Well, in the oh, second yeah. half, he was getting... And he, he should was, have, he should have been next yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't put oh, that. Yeah. I, didn't I think put that. I think that that yellow should have been. Yeah, red. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a red card. To be honest, I think I'd have been annoyed if he'd been sent off for that. Having said that, in the second half, he was in the referee's ear like all the time. There was like three or four occasions where he's like right up in his face, doing his funny like Italian man like gestures and that. And I'm just like, what are you doing, yeah. Marco? Just stop it! Like, just <laughs> what, what's the matter with you? Uh, anyway. He was really good, so I don't want to dig him out too much. But it was quite like he was definitely living and, on the uh, edge. And I wanted to finish real quick with uh, Ooh, Juan Bernat. Juan yeah. Bernat, decisive again. All the bad mouthing since September, since he signed. Hey, decisive in two important games. Did he Nobody's have a bad laughing. game? I don't think Nobody's so. Laughing. Nobody's laughing anymore for uh, Bernat. Oh, yeah, no, definitely not. You know, he almost reminds me of uh, Maxwell, to be honest with you. I wouldn't go that far, but he, he's, um, he's close. Yeah, I mean, on, on this game, yeah, definitely, sure. Yeah. He, he, he's confident. He regained his confidence because of care behind him or a massive uh, central defender in a, in a defense, in a three central defender defense. That changed completely his, um, his attitude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's quite an interesting player, isn't he? Because, like you say, he does he does seem because the first game he played, I can't remember who it was against in Liga, and he was he looked really, really dodgy, and I was like, oh goodness, what have we done here? But actually, sort of the more he plays, the more he seems to um, he seems to grow in confidence, and he's certainly not shy of getting into the area. I mean, where he pops up for that goal, he's like right in the middle of the goal, and you're like, you're the left back, mate. What are you doing there? I mean. I hope this doesn't come back to haunt us like in the later in the season when he's quite hopelessly out of position. But certainly, we well, get... when we have four central defenders on the field, that's fine. Yeah, well, this is true. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to have options as well because Kazava is uh, is back, isn't he? He's on his way back. So hopefully, we're uh, we're looking pretty good in defence. Um, I think like we've um, we've t- touched on it a bit there in terms of the um, sort of. The, ga- the way the game was played, the sort of spirit it was played in was quite, um, at times, a bit sort of, you know, a few of the players were living on the edge. We had some quite sort of uh, sort of risky play from Verratti and then we saw the rest of the players like crowding around the referee quite often. And this, is, uh, this didn't go unnoticed by the English media, I have to say. I don't know how much of a feel for that you guys get from, from over in the US, but certainly... Uh, 
a lot of the English pundits were very much like critical of PSG's sort of style of play, the mm-hmm. the perceived diving from Neymar, which really does my head in because you know which players don't dive. Hey, I mean it's just one of those things. But anyway, uh, it, it's it's all... a larger debate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I don't think I don't think it is. Every single game, an English team, national team, or a big club loses against an Italian, Spanish, or French team. Against French teams, it's rare. It's because of the the they are tricksters. They are tricksters. Oh, well, that's part of the freaking game. And actually, um, this is so for, for the in- English fans and, and media. Sorry, sorry, Matt. No, that's uh, it's unacceptable. Fun, but kicking uh, Neymar in the teeth the whole game—that's completely fine. Completely fine. Yeah, I can be a, a, a mindless brute and, and, and kick you. That's, that's, that's part of the game. But, you know, a little vice. Um, oh, no, that's unacceptable. Uh, come on, bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> well, I'll it only is if it's against you. And, and I think that you know, this consensus narrative uh, from the English media that sort of connotes this idea that, you know, we, we play real football and everyone else plays some variation of what we play um, is old. Uh, it's tiresome. Uh, the actual Premier League, in terms of its diversity of players, hasn't actually looked like that in years. Um, there are players who um, do, do all kinds of things to take tactical advantage. I mean, uh, during this very game, uh, you know, we talked about Di Maria um, I don't think it was a penalty, but I think Di Maria's mistake was in giving the opportunity to allow Mane to manipulate the situation into a penalty, right? But that's the same type of manipulation of situational awareness that they would indict Neymar for, um, combined with the fact that Neymar um, tends to get kicked up uh, because they know that, that that playing him one-on-one, playing him straight up, a James Milner can't stop a Neymar, right? Nor can anyone else on the Liverpool team. Um, and so when referees take the time to protect him, we get to see real sport. And when they don't, he has to fall down sometimes until they do. And I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the question, the more sort of philosophical question I was going to ask was, does anyone care if we're viewed as a a dirty team, in a sense, if we get the if we get the job done and we get the results and it takes us a long way into the Champions League. I mean, is that something that you guys care about or are you like, yeah, you know, I love the, it. By the, yeah. by the English media, I don't care what they say. Yeah. yeah, I I don't care either. I'm not here for none of that. Just win ball games. That's all I'm interested in. I don't care what whoever is writing for whatever paper in whatever country has to say. Just when, if... I get on Google and and uh, trying to figure out who won the Champions League. If it didn't say PSG, then I I don't care what anybody else got to write. That that's all I'm looking for. I like it. I like this. it's a non-issue. And I've been hearing, I've been watching football for many years, hearing the same thing from from the English media. Guillaume, you're breaking up a little bit, mate. What? You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's let's talk about something else, and we'll we'll let Guillaume deal with his uh, with his microphone issues. Oh, um, I, I, I think uh, I think it's good that we're seen as a dirty team. I think it's yes. it's great. We're I, we're we're the team with the money, Ew, money, you know, and we have Neymar, the guy, the most hated and the most loved soccer player at the same time, and uh, yeah. I, I love it. That thing that gives us uh, an identity, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I did enjoy a lot of the sort of Twitter action that was going on after the game uh, from the uh, sort of various Liverpool accounts. Uh, I'll give you a little quote here from at Empire of the Cop, who uh, I don't think I'm going to be friends with on Twitter anytime soon. But he says, I hate PSG. Horrible players, horrible oil money club. And I think if people are saying things like that, then we're probably doing something right. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Uh, anyway, um, moving on to the rest of the group. Obviously, the win has put us in quite a good position because now we know what we have to do. It's all in our own hands. All we have to do is go to Belgrade and win. Uh, 
what do you guys think is going to happen in this match? Because, I mean, we beat them very comfortably at the park, but on the other hand, you look at their results they've had uh, in the other games, especially at home, and they're obviously not a bunch of jokers. So what are you expecting from the match in a couple of weeks? And uh, yeah, are you, do you think we're going to go through? Um, if we go back to, we'll go back to our original order. So if we start off with James. I don't think that we're going to lose. Um, I think we're just better than them. Full stop. Yes. So um, it's just a matter of, do we show up? Do we have some kind of Liverpool hangover? where we let ourselves down because we, we took care of business one time, but, you know, we've got another one. So, uh, But uh, seeing the mentality of this team from the Liverpool game, it seems as if um, we have realized that every game, starting from this past one, is basically a playoff. Yeah, these are all must-wins now. Um and with Red Star, I think I think that the talent level is is superior enough that we just need to come in with a little bit of urgency, and uh, we can win this one. So I, I'm not I'm not terribly worried because I think that we will have the correct mentality, and we have enough star power to do so. But. Um, I won't rule out a draw because that seems like, you know, of PSG of old, that seems like exactly what we'd end up doing. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I want to be I want to be positive, but uh, I can't ignore all of recent history and and even uh, far past history. Yeah, absolutely. It would certainly be unwise to ignore history because I think it'd be the most pierced. Well, to be fair, when we beat Barcelona, I came on this podcast in the first leg and I was like, it would be the most PSG thing ever for us to lose the second leg, like 5 0 or whatever we needed to do. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Don't jinx it. Yeah. Please don't nah. jinx it. Well, it's, it's, out, it's out there now, Guillaume. I've fought it, so I can't unthink it. So basically, it would be the second most PSG thing ever to beat Liverpool and be like, yeah, we're fucking great. We're going to. Oh, we're really great. We're going to win the um, Champions League now and then go and lose to Red Star and end up in the Europa League. Um, but hopefully that won't happen. Um, Mel, what do you sort of, what do you make of this, this game coming up, the sort of final group match? What do you think, how do you think we're going to do? I think that uh, we have a couple of things to consider. One is this idea of uh, what does Red Star have to play for, right? Um, they, in fact, have a, a Europa League spot to play for. Um, but I can tell you that um, translations of, of their managers' uh, discussions around there, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of enthusiasm for that. Um, so that reality exists. From the PSG player side, they can't be concerned with any of that, right? They have to take a look at the first 35 minutes and demonstrate to Red Star what they're in for for the remainder of the match. If I, my prediction is this: if we are not, um, if we haven't demonstrated in the first thirty-five minutes, um, you know, with a couple of goals and with the tone and, and tenor of the match, uh, what the situation is going to be and what it should be, uh, as James described, we, we are clearly the better squad. Um, then we're in for a match. Um, uh, we're in for a match, and, and then anything is really on, and, and a draw or anything is really on. But I expect that within the first 35 minutes, we will have determined and dictated uh, our future. Um, everything is in our hands, um, and I'd like to, and I am going to, um, ignore history <laughs> <laughs> and and bet on uh, a P the PSG that I want to see and bet on the idea of um, us having evolved under this manager and you know every everything educates and this match will do more to educate all of us to what type of uh, management of the psychology of the team uh tuchel can deliver alongside his tactical mouse so yeah and i hope you're right because i the worst thing that can happen is for mbappe and neymar to play the same amount of group stage or the same amount of knockout stage minutes as I'm going to play this year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, 
Well, unless you're going to be our surprise uh, January transfer window signing, James, then uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe we can make that happen. That'd be a sort of PSG talking first. Um, Guillaume, uh, what do you reckon? How how do you see the game in, in Belgrade going? Well, that's a big unknown. Uh, they drew against Napoli uh, in a game that Napoli should have won, but they didn't. didn't um, they lacked some clinical finish up front. They beat Liverpool. I watched the second half of that game and it, it looked a little surreal. I think they can create an atmosphere uh, in their stadium, which they call the Maracana, uh, which is particular. And when there's a fusion between the the fans and the team, something can happen and there's often a fusion. Um, we probably have the talent up front to win the game and a draw I, I'm looking at the at the mathematical uh, possibilities here and it's I'm not smart enough if we draw and Liverpool wins we have three teams at nine points and oh boy then it's complicated it's really complicated think- and it depends how much um, goals Liverpool beats Napoli um, so it's um, we we need to win, we need to win there. We need to come there and um, apply the same intensity and determination we did at home against Liverpool. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a a, a nerve wracking game, um, but we need to win it. If we win it, and um, I don't see Napoli winning in Liverpool, we top the group, guys. Um, who knew uh, a few weeks ago that we would be in a position to top the group? Uh, so we can we can lose, we can draw, we can win. Again, I'm really hoping that this game again against Liverpool is going go, is to become a landmark. Um, and uh, to hell now, as I mean, he's, he's he's perfect. He's got the whole locker room behind him. There is no faking it anymore. Every player knows what to do in terms of intensity, match preparation and all. Um, I think we... Can we allow ourselves to be a little optimistic? I think we can. Yes, we need some optimism for sure. And I seem to remember last time I was on the podcast with you, Terry, I think you predicted that we'd win the Champions League this season. So uh, uh, what... what, There's another so, thing that I predicted is that uh, since we're talking about Belgrade, uh, that place is a trap. Uh, Liverpool lost there, I believe. Yeah, they did. You yeah. know, Napoli drew there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going there, and uh, that stadium is a volcano. Uh, they have an extra man with them over there. It's 12 against 11. The famous demons I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, let's hope that all this overexcitement of winning against Liverpool was because of the fact that we chased them. Uh, like Guillaume said, this is going to be a tough game. Uh, I, I think we will have to have the same attitude that we had against Liverpool. And by that, I mean focusing on defending well before anything and playing as a team. And like I said, we need to keep our composure towards the referee. We cannot get out of the game and start running towards the ref to cry because he didn't blow the whistle for something. Uh that's often why uh, we get scored on. It's because we have our head on the referee and not on the game. Um, we should win. We should win. Even with all these facts taken in consideration, there's no reason that we don't win with the talent that we have. Yeah, I mean, I think... A draw probably, just looking at the sort of goal difference situation, I think if Liverpool beat Napoli 
and we draw, we're probably going to go through because Napoli's goal difference is going to get quite a lot worse and it's already worse than ours anyway. So I think those with the two those two results being on offer to us, I think we should probably go through. But I'm just the nagging doubt is still there. I just think this is the kind of game which we've traditionally not done that well in, and I'm just. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous before for claiming a, another dawn because we've had so many like false dawns at PSG before. But uh, certainly we go there in positive mood. We our game at the weekend's been cancelled, so uh, due to the old uh, the the yellow jacket brigade. So um, we <laughs> we're going to be nice and rested, and hopefully uh, we can go there and uh, book our place in the in the knockout stages. So yeah, so um, largely positive about the uh, about the game in, uh, in in Belgrade, which is good to hear. Um, and just to sort of uh, finish off on this Liverpool discussion, guys, um, I want to know like what how you're left after this game, how you feel about the sort of season as a whole, how it can go. I mean, obviously bearing in mind that we could still go out in the group stage, um, if that were to happen, would you still sort of would you still accept there's been signs of progress compared to last year? You know, obviously having a landmark result in a in an important game or would you sort of still be quite disappointed with our campaign it's been from a Champions League perspective quite up and down we've obviously had good performances and then the you know the game against Napoli for example which is pretty terrible so sort of how are you feeling sort of overall about how the two shell project's progressing and sort of how close we are really to sort of making an impact in the latter stages of the Champions League um, I think we can kick off with James again and then and go round a, a one more time um, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, I think we're taking a little bit of a different path. Um, it is tough for me to wrap my head around how I would feel missing the knockout stage um, because I feel like lesser coaches have not had that problem. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I do... I. I do like where it's going. I then Mel has um, talked about it before with me on the on the podcast that the mentality and the and the way that we are attacking games sometimes you can see the difference between um, previous coaches until now. It's not purely tactical. Is he getting guys in the right position? Yeah, that is a that is a thing that. Um, that we can see improvement with, but we've got, I think we're, we're building a floor uh, with, with youth players where going forward, we can actually see ourselves ascending. Um, I, I think we can look to some of the, the other teams in Europe that we might, uh, I should, I guess I should say uh, aspire to be like, not aspire to be, but uh, to have, those kind of connotations where you can say, "Hey, they find they find ways to win games." Uh, I can I can see that uh, on the horizon. So uh, I, I don't want to have to go through a reality where uh, we don't make it to the knockout stage, and then we have to evaluate how we really feel uh, about about Tuchel. Uh, but I, I do I do see growth. I do think we have a good thing going, and I think we're going to make the knockout stage and not have to worry about this. Now, whether we go uh, past the round of 16 is a, is another question. I guess we'll find out uh, when we have that draw, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I, I do like where we're at. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. Um yeah, Mel, what do you what do you what do you think of the the two shell project so far, and um, what sort of impact does our our progression or not in the Champions League have on your sort of assessment of of where we're at? With the, with the single qualifier, that how we, for example, if we didn't make it to the knockout stage, how that happened with that single qualifier, like for example. If UEFA, uh, you know, gets referees to say, you know, this this financial fair play team, we want to teach them a lesson, and it's obvious that you know we are somehow prevented from advancing. With that one qualifier, um, failure to fail to advance at this point would have to um, 
would leave the the, the season described as uh, an underachievement. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure. We had to see how the rest of the season played out. But it certainly would be an underachievement, partly for, for, for exactly what James talked about, which is coaches that I think um, have done less um, have progressed further. Um, you know, every every year is unique, and this is a difficult group, but this is also uh, a team in, in PSG that, minus the number six issue, um, does have the quality to finish first or second in, in the group and should do that. So I have, I have, uh, I think, what are reasonable expectations for this season based upon uh, what we know now. Um, that being said, uh, it is also important, you know, when we progress to ask the same question, which is how did we progress? Um, and, you know, the signs that I see uh, seem to indicate uh, an increasing uh, level of 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 synergistic unity in the team, players to players, players to tactics, tactics to strategy. I mean, I mean even across the brand uh, with the work that the brand is doing uh, with, uh, with uh, the Jordan piece, et cetera. Everything seems to be moving in a very positive and synergistic direction. Uh, which is why the haters are out in force on, on social media and, and, and their tears make me laugh. Um, <laughs> the, the, but the reality for me is, um, you know, it, it's about wins. Uh, it's about uh, showing that progression. Um, it's about when you win, what did you look like when you won? And even when you lose, why did you lose? What did it look like? How do you fix it? Um, the, the, the progress that Tuchel made in his tactical maturity from the first Liverpool game to the second Liverpool game is something that I expect to see in each match. Uh, we have seen that to a large extent, um, and um, we need to see it going forward in order to consider the season a success. Uh, again, if we don't see it, it's not necessarily a failure, but it will be a, a pointed underachievement. Yeah, Um well, that's uh, that's really interesting, and also the first time I've ever heard synergistic unity used in relation to football. So, uh, so good job with that one, <laughs> <laughs> Guillaume. Uh, yeah, Guillaume, tell me about your your thoughts on on the two Shelleyer so far and uh, where we're heading, and uh, yeah, um, you know what would success look like for you this season? Well, he's um, he's the coach we were all hoping for, and. At the same time, it it raises the stakes. Um, he's uh, found a way around the lack of, of very competitive midfield. Um, he's he's a, he's amazing. So now there's hope we can finish first or second, go through the the second phase of the Champions League, where we belong. Um, and I think there's huge things at stake now because in the background, a lot, a lot of things are happening. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain um, has um, called the Tribunal Arbitral du Sport, which in English is, I believe, the Court of Arbitration for Sport in that Geneva. Is, it is indeed. Which is, which is the, the, the entity that one of the entities that have a legal framework to make a decision between um, a, a sport institution and a sport club, so a business in Europe. And they froze the investigation of uh, UEFA's FFP. Um, we, for, for those who've been following Wiki, WikiLeaks, Football Leaks, we've, we've learned... Uh, that UEFA, UEFA is a, is a wide open house. So <laughs> if if you think FIFA is UEFA is one too, and there's trends there, and um, the trends have turned from being in our favor to not being in our favor. Long story short, if we qualify for the second round of the Champions League, I strongly believe that during the winter transfer window, the club is going to spend a lot of money, meaning. Um, enough to get 
a international level modern impactful defensive midfielder um like top top notch uh think liverpool's not going to is not going to sell fabinho but there are other profiles especially one who plays in russia um what is his name paredes um that would change the team this is what we miss to become a real contender in the champions league if we can if we can get a player like this um then then we have yeah then we're in then terry terry can probably be right terry's and prediction a, will come true yes um so there's a lot at stake uh for that game in in belgrade coming up and um my guts are already like contracting because of the stress <laughs> just talking about it because okay. of what's at stake uh you know if we if we lose draw or win but uh, well you know that's part of being a paris saint-germain uh, yeah. fan so yeah um i'm screw it i'm I'm going to be optimistic. We're going to be through and we're going to get a wonderful, wonderful player, um, which we badly, badly need and have been screaming for uh, all these years. Because, um, again, there's no, uh, you're not cup tied anymore. UEFA got away with the cup tie thing. So you can get any player who's been playing in the Champions League from any other team and he will be eligible to play for your team. So that changes a lot of things. Uh. See, we've been talking for nearly an hour and I thought maybe, just maybe, we were going to get through a whole show without Guillaume mentioning that we like <laughs> a defensive midfielder in our squad. And uh, fortunately, <laughs> right at the last minute, he's pulled it out of the bag. I would have done it too. Yeah, well, you, you, guys are, you guys are professionals, I tell you. Um, so, Terry, uh, round us out. Um, how are just some general thoughts on the, on the project uh, and you know how how we're getting on, um, and yeah, uh, yeah, reasons to be cheerful or uh, sort of reasons to be concerned. No, no, I think uh, very, I'm very positive for the future. Um, this Liverpool game was uh, definitely a uh, founding for Tuchel, uh, in the sense that uh, for the first time uh, in a long time, and in only a four month period. Uh, he made the players enjoy defending together. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen that with uh, yeah. the past two coaches in the QSI era. Uh, so that's good. Now, the, that was a step, but that wasn't the most important step. Um, winning in Belgrade, is, it's got to be done. I mean, there's no question about it. It's, it's, I think we'll do it. And uh, and I believe that uh, Tuchel will find the balance uh, with or without a recruit. But I think I think a midfielder would help uh, to just to up our chances uh, uh, to win it all. But uh, no, I'm I'm still confident that uh, this is the year that we take it. Well, I think that uh, I think that's a great note to end on. I mean, I, from a personal perspective, I've been really heartened by the by uh, you know just the way the season's gone. Really, it really feels like uh, Tuchel's kind of taking control of the dressing room, and we might finally have a manager who uh, you know is not afraid of the sort of big players and the big personalities. So I really hope I'm not speaking too early, but I just think. It seems like it's heading in the right direction. And to be honest, even if we were to end up in the Europa League, I think I would rather have that under this manager than go into the last 16 with someone like Emery and then just face the usual humiliation and, um, yeah, uh, you know, not feel like you're going anywhere. Whereas we really do, I think all of us, uh, certainly from the, the chat we've had tonight, it really seems to reflect that we think we're sort of heading in the right direction. So that's... Uh, not something you've always been able to say over the last couple of seasons, for sure, is it? Um, so, yeah. Oh, I wanted to add one Ooh. more thing, if you don't mind. No, that absolutely. Uh, you go ahead. And actually, this is going to probably be the perfect transition for you. But, uh, yeah, no, Tuchel gives hugs and kisses. But also, 
unlike the past two coaches, he knows to put his foot down when it's needed, especially with the Rabio situation. Oh, Rabio. Again, another subject which I thought we might get through a whole program without talking about. But <laughs> as, as you bring him up, um, obviously he was on the bench for the Liverpool game, but there was some speculation. I think Paris United put it out that he had been dropped from the squad completely. And uh, this was followed up uh, by him actually being dropped from the squad completely um, for the league game game at the weekend uh, against Bordeaux, where we drew. Um, I think Tuchel said subsequently that he'll be back um, we're playing Strasbourg on Wednesday, which is the day after we record. And I think Tuchel said that he'll be back in the squad um, uh, for that match. But it certainly seems like the contract situation's hit, a, hit an impasse. Uh, Le Keep were reporting that he's asked for sort of wage parity with uh, Kylian Mbappe, which uh, what? <laughs> I think is... Yeah, seriously. I was just, He wants to be in the same bracket as, as Mbappe and... Let's get rid of him. I mean, yeah. Let's just have a Goodbye. quick... He's Bye. not even a World Cup winner. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Uh, it's just incredible, really, the, the Rabiot sort of... Every time you think he can't get worse, he pulls out some other nonsense out of he the He got bag. booed. He got booed against Liverpool yeah. uh, by the fans. He got booed against... Um, he, was, he was on the bench. No, he played. He came in against Toulouse. Um, he got booed by the fans. Yeah. Again. Yeah, it's um, really really that, sad to see, isn't it? I mean, does anyone, do any of you think there's a way back for him or is this just it for him now? And uh, If he signs, there is. If he signs, if he extends at semi-reasonable wages, yeah. Hmm. yeah I, don't think, it, I still don't think that's a way back in. I think that's just a way to get rid of him and get something back for him. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say... It's a, it's a problem. He's I, a problem. Yeah. Either gonna, way. I was going to say that as well. He's yeah, for sure. And um, does anyone think we'll be able to even sell him in January? I mean, do you think there's a market for him, or are we just going to have to keep him around till the end of the season and accept that we'll have to uh, write this one off as a loss? I think yeah. we can use him as a exchange currency to get a midfielder. Yeah, you exchange I... you. You put him him plus money for a midfielder. There's one, guys. Go to YouTube and, and check out Leandro Paredes from Zenit St. Petersburg and imagine him play for Paris Saint-Germain next to Marco Verratti. Yeah, let's give Zenit Rabio and, um, and then we get Paredes. <laughs> but that's not, I'm not, that's I'm not, not sure. really a defensive midfield per se. That's not really what we're looking for, is it? He, well, I mean, we're going to lose is. Rabio anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. But I that think, doesn't solve our defensive midfield situation. I mean, I think as well we have to consider that playing for Zenit St. Petersburg probably isn't in the Rabio career plan. So while we would all find it amusing to see uh, Veronique sat on the touchline in like the biggest fur coat in the world, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But we shall oh, see. We shall Lyon, see. Oh, well, it'd be great there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, him and Memphis to play. And, I think and that Dombele. Would, and oh yeah, we could have in Dombele. Yeah, that would be great. We should try. And... <laughs> anyway, we're getting on to January, and I think we're going to have plenty of time in the next few weeks when our situation is a bit clearer to talk about any potential transfers. Um, but this has been a really fun chat, guys. Thanks ever so much for all uh, all uh, coming on and talking about the Liverpool game. And it's nice to have something really positive to talk about after the last few years in the Champions League, where it's sort of mainly just made everyone want to cry um so we'll see how the game uh pans out next week and i'm sure we'll be back to sort of run through it and uh maybe talk about hopefully who we're going to play in the uh in the knockout stages but i think um for now all uh, that remains to be said is uh thanks very much to all our backers on uh, on patreon um you can uh take a look on our patreon page and uh if you like what we do and like what's on the PSG Talk site and um, also in terms of the other podcasts that Mark Damon does, do consider uh, giving us some support. And um, also don't forget that if you're uh, listening in Australia, you can hear us on Football Nation Radio. Indeed, you can hear us on Football Nation Radio all over the world online at footballnationradio.com. And the station covers all aspects of football from all over the world. So if you tune in, and follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Look them up, and uh, if there's any other radio stations listening, 
get in touch. We're happy to be broadcast anywhere. But <laughs> for now, yeah, just say thanks very much to the panel and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Howdy, bye. All right. Thank you.